This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Galatians this morning, if you would. Book of Galatians chapter 6 is where we're going to be at. Four weeks ago, we started a brand new series entitled Affliction, Suffering and the Sovereignty of God. Bad things happen to everybody. What happens when we're really trying to do our best? We're really trying to follow Jesus and bad things happen anyways. Uh, How do we rationalize or how do we comprehend in our mind the fact that when we do bad, sometimes bad things happen to us? How do we process through that? Uh, The Bible has an answer for everything. Sometimes the Bible has answers to to questions we might not necessarily like or might not necessarily agree with, but the Bible always has an answer. And Anytime you disagree with something that the Bible says, just know this, I'm going to help you this morning. When you disagree with the Bible, you're wrong. Simple as that. Uh, And it's not because of what I think or what you think or your opinion is, is less valid than mine. It comes back to we need a source that we can always count on that's always right 100% of the time. I'm not always right 100% of the time. You're not always right 100% of the time. Uh, If you don't think that I'm right 100% of the time, be sure to ask my wife or kids. They'd be happy to tell you I'm not right 100% of the time. But we need something that is always right, something that we can go back to every single time that tells us the truth, and we as Christians find the source of that truth in the Bible. God's word is always true. Uh, You can always count on it. It's always good for you. And whatever you're going through in life, know this, the Bible speaks to that. Uh, The Bible gives you hope. The Bible gives you promises. Uh, The Bible gives you encouragement. So we would do our best in life if we would build our life around God's word. That's what we're gonna do this morning as we take a look at this. We've been walking through over the last three weeks what happens when we've done wrong against God and then bad things happen. Is God punishing us for what we've done wrong? Uh, Is God uh, making our life purposely difficult because of things that we have uh, done wrong? And we're taking a look at that over the last three weeks, and this kind of wraps up our mini-series, I guess, if you would, on unrighteous suffering. Uh, Today, we're taking a look at the consequences of our sin. God is very clear in his word what he expects from us. God gives us guidelines. God gives us rules to follow. And you and I, just about every opportunity that we get, want to break those rules, want to go and do our own thing, want to go our own way. We think that we know better than God or God hasn't yet caught up on the level that we're at. Or I've heard some people say, well, the Bible was written thousands and thousands of years ago. We can't really trust it for today because today things are different. The Bible tells us that God never changes and God's expectations for us never change. So when you and I choose to go against what the Bible says, when you and I choose to, uh, God says to go left and we decide to go right, The Bible calls that sin, and what are the consequences for our sin? We'll take a look at that today. Galatians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse number 7. Verses 7 and 8 are verses you should circle, you should star, you should underline, maybe commit them to memory, but these are words that you should definitely live by. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And I ask you a series of questions this morning. I know you're super smart, so you'll be able to get all of these right. If I take a watermelon seed and I plant it in the ground and I put dirt on top of it and I water it a lot, what will grow as a result of that seed that I planted? Help me. Watermelon. Watermelon. Can you imagine planting a a garden full of watermelon and tending to it, making sure that it's covered in dirt, making sure it gets plenty of sunlight, making sure that it gets watered once a day, and then watermelons sprout up and you go, mmm, yeah, I was really hoping for corn on that one. Look at that and you go, that doesn't make sense. If you want corn, plant corn, right? If you want watermelon, plant watermelon. If you want an apple tree, plant apple seeds. It's just a no-brainer, right? The Bible says that your life is kind of a no-brainer too. It's funny sometimes that we think that we can go our own way and do our own thing and we're planting the seeds of destruction, what the Bible says. But then when it begins to crop up, we get disappointed with what we have. Well, I want God's blessings. I want God to be good. 
I want God to do good things for me, but I haven't been putting those things in the ground, and then I'm disappointed with the crop that comes. The Bible says, be not deceived. Don't fool yourself. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. The majority of world religions have a, uh, a concept like this that is very similar. For example, uh, the idea of karma, the idea that the energy that you put it out into the universe comes back to you in proportion to the energy that you put out. Uh, we would disagree with that because we don't believe that the universe is in charge of anything, but God's in charge of everything. Secondly, what you put out never comes back to you in proportion to what you put out. You always get back more than you put out every single time. And the Bible tells us this. And so we wouldn't say we, that we believe in karma. We believe in sowing and reaping. Whatever you put out is gonna come back to you eventually. It's funny, sometimes people will sow their wild oats and then pray for crop failure. I wanna do my own thing and go my own way. I just don't wanna see the fruit of it. I don't wanna see the consequences of it. And we're gonna take a look at the consequences of our sin and how whatever we plant in our life will eventually come back to us. But the good news is this you have the opportunity to plant some good seed. And when you plant good seed by following what the Bible says, good things will come back to you because you will reap spiritual fruit. That's what it's talking about here. Now, I'm not saying that if you do good things, you're gonna be rich or you're gonna be, have perfect health or everything's gonna go your way. I'm talking about you will reap spiritual fruit that is joy and peace and love, gentleness, kindness. These are the things that are gonna come to you when you plant spiritual things by way of review, this uh, last couple of weeks, we've been taking a look at punishment, chastisement, and consequences. Today, we look at consequences. But by way of review, remember this, sin is always destructive. Every time you sin, something or someone will get damaged, guaranteed. Now, it's not immediate. It doesn't happen instantaneously. Sometimes it might even take years. But there is coming a day when your sin will cause great, great destruction Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12 says, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. <laughs> you think you're doing the right thing. You think you're going the right way. You think what you're doing, you might even be getting away with it, but know this, there's only a matter of time before the wheels come off and everything falls apart. Secondly, we see that sin always separates us from God and others. This is the most destructive reaction to sin. The Bible says, if you're sitting here this morning and say, well, I'm not really a sinner. I don't know that I've ever done anything wrong. Uh, the Bible would disagree with you because the Bible says all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one. And while I myself might be a pastor, I still sin. I still, God still has a standard that's set and I still fall short of that. Every single one of us has fallen short of God's expectation of us and we have sinned. That's who we are. And because of our sin, the Bible says, you see, God is perfect and holy. He has no sin. And our sin actually repulses God. It actually pushes God away from us. And so as long as there is sin in my life, God kind of has to stiff arm me and keep me at an arm's length because God cannot let me come to him with my sin because he's perfect, because he's holy. So my sin creates distance between me and God. That's a problem here while I'm here on earth because I pray and God doesn't hear me because of my sin. I wanna be a part of God's family, but I cannot be a part of God's family because of my sin. I want the good things that God wants to bring me from life, but I keep planting bad seed. And because of that, God kind of stands off a little ways and just kind of lets me do my own thing and allows me to live under the consequences of my own sin. But God's not gonna do that forever because thirdly, we see in this, uh, not in this passage, but in the Bible, that sin cannot go unpunished. There's coming a day when I've gotta pay for the wrong that I've done. God can't just allow me to continue and sin and get away with it. God requires punishment. God is a just God, meaning here's the guidelines, here's the rules. I don't know if this ever happened to anybody in this room, but it happened to me. My parents oftentimes threatened me with a spanking, but they never actually followed through the spanking. Anybody ever had that happen before? What a glorious day that was, you know? It was like, you need to get to bed. It's like, yes, they forgot to spank me before I went to bed. Got away with it, right? God doesn't forget. God's not gonna let you get away with it. Your sin must be punished. Now, there's one punishment for your, your sin, and it's death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, Romans chapter six, verse number 23. The wages of sin, the consequences of what you've done wrong is death. 
Now, it's not just talking about a physical death. All of us will die one day to pay for our sins. But the Bible says that there's a second death coming after that. That if we die in our sin, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. The second that you take your last breath here on planet earth, you will stand before God and the Bible says you'll give an account for your life. That's heavy, really heavy. And God will not ask you on that day how good of a person you were, what good things you did. Did you ever uh, give somebody a meal? Did you ever keep somebody's kids for them? Did you ever cut your neighbor's grass? He's not gonna ask those types of questions. There will be one question and one question only. Is your name in the book of life? Have you made a reservation? And the only way that you can make a reservation is to pay for your sins. Now, there's two payment methods available to you, right? One payment method is you pay for your own sins. You pay your own way. And the only way that you can do that is, this is heavy and I'm gonna tell you, you can go to hell and be separated from God for all of eternity. That is your payment that you can make for your own sins. I don't know anybody in this room that thinks that's a really appealing path. If you do, you don't understand hell. I have heard people say before, I, well, I wanna go to hell because my brother's there. I wanna go to hell because my mom's there. I wanna go to hell because my dad's there. Read Luke chapter 16. Nobody in hell wants you to come join them. They're begging that you would stay away, begging. So nobody that understands hell really wants to go there. So what's the other option? Well, somebody else has to pay for your sin. I like the, the prospect of this. The question is who? Now, I cannot pay for your sin. I have my own sin that must be paid for. You cannot pay for my sin. You have your own sin that must be paid for. Somebody has to pay. This church cannot pay for your sins. You cannot be baptized to pay for your sins. There's no religious acts that you could go through of anyone praying over you or praying for you that could ever pay for your sins. It has to be a person who would be willing to die on your behalf, would be willing to take your sin upon them and pay for it, but the problem is, is that person can't be any of us because we have our own sin that must be paid. It must be someone who's never sinned before. And that person is Jesus. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. Jesus loves you and he died to pay for your sins. And when you die, you will either pay yourself or Jesus can pay for you. And if Jesus pays your sin, you're done. You're forgiven. You get to go to heaven when you die. You're forgiven of all the wrong that you've ever done, just as if it never happened. And God says, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're paid for, you're good to go. Or you can pay for it on your own. I don't recommend that. If you would like Jesus to pay for your sins, one way to do that, confess, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins and confess that to God and receive the gift of eternal life. The Bible says it's a gift. You can't work for it, you can't earn it. You can't do anything to make yourself more worthy for it. I've heard people say before, well, I got some stuff in my life I gotta wrap, get wrapped up first and then I'll, I'll receive that gift. God doesn't want you to clean up your act and come to him. He wants you to come to him so he can clean your act up. That's what God does. But Jesus is the only hope that you have for your sin. And if you would today say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. I'm willing to receive him as my savior the Bible says that you can be saved today. The Bible says that when you do that, you're saved or born again. And that word born again is really important because Jesus says no man shall enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You have to be saved to go to heaven. There's no two ways about it. Friend, you know for sure that you're saved today. If not, the first consequence of your sin is God's punishment. And God will punish your sin by putting you to death and then a second death after that in hell for all of eternity. I don't want that for any person in this room. So if that's you today, please don't leave this place until you know for sure that Jesus Christ has saved you and forgiven you from your sin. But next, the other consequence that comes as, or the next thing that happens as a result of our sin is chastisement. God's chastisement is only for his children. After you become a child of God and you disobey God and you go your own way, God chastises you or disciplines you the way that a uh, parent would discipline a child. In Hebrews chapter 12, which we looked at last week, it says that he scourgeth or spanks or whips every child that belongs to him. 
and that if you are a child of God, there's been a time in your life where you've been saved or you've been born again and you continue to rebel against God, God's going to discipline you and make your life painful until you get back in line and choose to follow him again. God loves you too much to allow your sin to go unchecked. God's wrath, God's punishment is motivated by his justice. Because God says that the one who sins will die, you have to die or somebody has to die for you. And so God's wrath, God's punishment comes because he's a just God. He said he was gonna do it and he has to do it. Otherwise, God would be a liar. And if God's a liar, he's no longer God. And if God's no longer God, we're in a whole heap of trouble. So God's wrath is motivated by his justice. God's chastisement is motivated by his love for us. If you're a child of God, God loves you too much to allow you to continue to sin. So he will make your life difficult. He will make your life painful until he gets you back on track and in a right relationship with him because of his love for you. So God's chastisement is motivated by his love. But you see, the consequence of sin, which is what we're taking a look at today, is simply sin running its course. The consequences of our sin are God just allowing to happen what he already said was gonna happen. Think of it this way. If there is a hot stove, I mean, the eye is like orange on the stove, right? And I take my hand and put it on that hot eye, the eye of the stove, and I burn my hand. Is that God judging my sin of putting my hand on the oven? I don't think anybody would say God's judging. It's just that's what happens when you touch something hot, right? That's just nature running its course, it's funny to me, sometimes people are unfaithful in their marriage and they say, oh, God's judging my marriage because my wife hates my guts. No, if you're unfaithful to your spouse, she's gonna hate your guts. That's just the consequences of your sin. That's just sin running its course. That's just everything shaking itself out. The Bible says sin is destructive, so when you sin and things begin to fall apart, don't be surprised by that. Just as if you plant watermelon seeds and you get watermelon. Don't be surprised by that. You're getting exactly what was promised to you. So consequences is simply sin running its choice. Uh, consequences defined as a result of an effect or effect of an action or condition. Be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's interesting to me when people continue in sin and then their life falls apart, then they want to blame God for it. God really takes no responsibility for that because he told you what was gonna happen. I've known people before who have purposely chose to sin against God. Pastor, I know that leaving my spouse is a sin, but I believe that God forgives sin. Please don't ever presume that God's just gonna automatically forgive whatever you do. The Bible says it's called presumptuous sin and we should keep our hearts far from presumptuous sin. I've known people before who have been unethical at work and they said, well, my employer's been taken from me forever, and so I'm gonna take from them. No, it doesn't work that way. It's important to understand that while you are free to choose your own sin, you cannot choose your own consequences. That's left up to God. You wanna shake your fists in the face of God and go your own way? Feel free to do that, but you don't get to control the fallout from that. And I can just tell you automatically when you do that, it's gonna be bad. And it's my job as your pastor, because I love you, to help you to stay away from ruining your life. And when you choose to sin against God, you're ruining your life. Don't do it. The consequences will come. Again, it might not be immediate, but they will come. I guarantee you that. You see, while Jesus is suffering on the cross, shields us from God's wrath and punishment. If you truly are a child of God and God has forgiven your sin, you'll never see hell, you'll never see God's wrath, you'll never see punishment, but that does not shield you from the consequences of your sin. Sin still has consequences. Again, the idea that, hey, I'm saved now. Hey, I'm a child of God now. Hey, I'm forgiven now. I can live how I want to and do what I want to. That goes against everything in the Bible. Romans chapter six says that you have been set free from your sin. Don't go back to it again. I was at the, uh, the gym several weeks ago. It was the, the most, one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, 
sometimes people bring their dogs to the gym. They run around and play and stuff like that. And these these people had brought a couple of dogs, and they were playing and running around. And these dogs didn't know each other, so they're sniffing each other out, running around and chasing each other and barking. And one of the dogs throws up on the the, the green turf that was there. It's just like, oh, that's disgusting. Like I got no problem with you having a dog, but when your dog pukes, that's that's a different level. But then the other person's dog ran over. I didn't even have to say it, you know. And started eating the other dog's vomit. And you look at that and you're like, oh, that is so disgusting. You say, what does that have to do with the Bible? I told you the Bible has an answer for everything. You know what the Bible says? Just as a dog returns to its vomit, or its neighbor's vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Let me put that for you really simply. Just like a dog continues to eat its own vomit, you keep doing the same stupid stuff over and over and over again. And then you wonder why things aren't working out. I can make it really easy for you because you're not following the prescribed path that God has for you. God has the answer for everything. Does it mean your life's gonna be perfect? No. Does it mean that there won't be difficulty? No, but it means that there won't be difficulty. And again, I'm just gonna be frank with you this morning because I love you. It means that there won't be difficulty due to your own stupidity. That makes sense. You do stupid stuff, bad things happen. Now, if you don't do stupid stuff, it doesn't mean that bad things won't happen, but at least you're not suffering for your own foolishness. See, the primary cause for human suffering is the consequence of sin. Did you know that we were never supposed to suffer? Did you know we were never supposed to die? God created the first two created beings, Adam and Eve. He placed them in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was a a perfect place without sin. God says you can do whatever you want. You can eat whatever you want. The only thing that you cannot do is you cannot eat of the tree in the center of the garden. When you do that, you will die. Anything else, fair game, do what you want. And there was never death. There was never pain. There was never sickness. Everybody was supposed to live forever. And you just get to hang out. And here's the crazy thing. The Bible says that they walked with God. They just kind of talk, wake up in the morning. Hey, God, what's up? Nothing much. Just keeping the earth spinning. Oh, that's awesome. I don't know what I'm going to do today, God. I got all this stuff to eat. I got all these animals around. I don't know what I'm going to do today. God says, man, have fun. Just stay away from that tree. Don't eat it. And the devil came in the form of a snake. It's another reason why I hate snakes. Um, the devil comes in the form of a snake and he says, did God really say that? You know, God's just trying to keep you back from having a good time. God knows that the second that you eat from that tree, you're gonna be a God just like he is and he doesn't want that because then he'll have competition. So, so don't listen to God. But I don't even really know that God said that, did he? Come on, what's the big deal? And the Bible says that Eve ate of the fruit. And we're always down on Eve because Eve was the one who took a bite. But you know who stood by and watched? Adam. And he allowed her to eat and he ate too. And because of that, God says, I told you not to do it. Now you gotta die. They were cast out of the Garden of Eden. They had, he, God put a curse upon man. It says, from here on out, you will work by the sweat of your brow. And from here on out, woman will be subservient to man and she will have pain during childbirth. That was her curse that was put upon her because she had sinned against God. And God says, now you're gonna die one day. Now sickness comes. Now suffering comes. Now sin has entered into the world and the perfect world that existed was gone forever. Now the good news is there's coming a day when there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness and that place will be in heaven one day. It'll also be when Jesus Christ establishes a kingdom here on earth one day when he returns to rule and reign for a thousand years. The Bible says no sickness, no, no drama, no sin. But that time is not now. The primary cause for suffering in this world that we live in is, is sin. One author put it this way, that sin is the deepest root of all of our misery. I read that quote this uh, past week as I was studying through some things and I thought to myself that is so true. Every hurt, every heartache can be traced back to sin. I remember as a uh, nine-year-old boy, my grandmother got lung cancer. She was a lifelong smoker, and uh, back in that day, they were still trying to unpack exactly what smoking did to your body. 
Uh, it's fascinating to me that now almost, uh, almost 40 years later, we still know what smoking do is it's still legal. I don't understand that. Uh, but anyhow, that's a topic for another day. But I remember my, my grandmother, when she got sick, and they said it doesn't look good, and she had brain tumors, and they'd done radiation, they'd done chemotherapy, and she was still getting sicker and sicker. And we began to pray, and, and we asked people at our church to pray. And I, I remember as a nine-year-old boy, I didn't know a lot about the Bible, but I knew that God could answer prayer. And I began to pray and pray and pray and pray that God would, would heal my grandmother. And she died. And I remember as a nine-year-old boy thinking that it, God says if we pray that he'll answer us. God says in his word that if we have enough faith that, that he'll, he'll do anything, that we can move a mountain if we have the faith of a mustard seed. And as a child, I didn't remember being able to understand or comprehend why my grandmother had to die. But as I fast forward now with a little bit more clarity and a little bit more biblical understanding, you know, my grandmother died because of sin. It was the price of her sin. She had to die. Nobody lives forever. The mortality rate on life, 100%. We're all gonna die. Why? Because of our sin. And the idea that we can pray and God's gonna automatically extend someone's life, it's, it's not a biblical thought because if that was the case, we just have to keep praying and we could all live forever. At some point, we have to die. At some point, our sin will catch up with us one way or another. And people ask questions about suffering in, in children and suffering in babies and things like that who have, have really not had the opportunity to sin. That's a conversation for a different day. But they'll ultimately die because of the sin of mankind. Sin's heavy. That's why we, we as Bible-believing Christians should never mock or make fun of sin. It's a big deal. Sin causes suffering. Sin causes death. Sin put Jesus Christ on the cross. It's not a laughing matter. It's not a joke. It's a big deal. And when I look in the mirror and I see my own sinful condition, I shouldn't say, well, that's just how I am. Well, that's just, just, just who I am. I'll never be any better than this and, and excuse my own sin. No, no, no. Sin is the root of all human suffering. It's a big deal. Thankfully, God warns us against sin. God's warnings are crystal clear. It couldn't be more black and white in the Bible. In your notes, I've got a couple of verses from Deuteronomy chapter 30. God speaking to the children of Israel, but it definitely applies to us today. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Thou mayest love the Lord thy God. Thou mayest obey his voice and thou mayest cleave unto him. That means stuck to him like glue. For he is thy life and thy length of days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. God says, you got two choices. Go my way or go your own way. You go my way, you'll be blessed. And here's what he says in that verse. If you want to take a look at it again, your seed will be blessed. You know what that means? Your kids are going to be blessed for you following the Lord. And some of you might be sitting here this morning, I don't have kids, that doesn't apply to me. You may have kids one day and they will either be blessed or cursed because of the decisions that you make. It's heavy. Man, that's heavy. But it's black and white. Choose God's way, you'll be blessed. Choose your own way, you're gonna find life to be increasingly difficult. Why? It's just the consequences of sin. It's just sin running its course against the choices that we make. And I've met people before who say, I can handle the consequences of my sin or I'm in such a bad spot that I know I'm sinning but I'm willing to take whatever consequences come my way. Friend, you haven't even done the math yet. You haven't even counted the cost of what your sin will cost you. First of all, when it comes to sin, there's personal consequences. And most people would say, well, I'm willing to take on that. That's not a big deal. I can handle whatever comes my way, whatever God decides to do to me, I can handle it. Please understand me, you can't handle it. I promise you that. And the idea that I can sin and something good will come from it, it's not a biblical concept. And again, I've known people before who say, it's okay for me to steal from my employer because my employer steals from me. Doesn't work that way. It's okay for me to cheat on a test uh, because this class is really hard and nobody ever passes it anyways. It's okay for me to be unethical in the X, Y, or Z reason because this suits my situation. And I'm willing to take whatever consequences come my way. I have to admit, I'm not immune from this type of thinking. There have been times 
where I have been so frustrated by traffic that I've driven in the HOV lane with nobody in the car with me. And I got a big sign there too. It says $250 fine if you're, if you're caught there, right? And I've thought to myself on occasion, I'll pay $250 to get home. I, I'm sick of this traffic. And I know that sounds crazy to you, but I willingly rebelled against authority and says, I'll take the hit. I don't care. Right? And we have that same mindset so many, and just, just let me confess this for, first before you laugh it off. It's that type of thinking that gets us into bigger messes, that the rules don't apply to me. I don't have to follow what anybody else says. Our family went on vacation um, this past summer. We went to a place that had a hot tub. Uh, man, praise the Lord for whoever decided hot tubs are a good thing. I like it, right? My daughter, Makila, she's 11. And the hot tub has a sign on the little railings that go down into the hot tub that says, no children under the age of 14 at the hot tub. My daughter, Makila, is 11. And she says, Dad, what's the big deal? Truthfully, nothing is the big deal. It's the dumbest sign in the world. Who decided that 13-year-olds are not allowed, but 14-year-olds are? I think it's a stupid, arbitrary rule that somebody got. It's probably some lawyer who wrote some uh, underwriting insurance thing, a majig or something somewhere that says 14 and up is good, 13 and under is bad. And so she says, can I get in the hot tub? I think it's a stupid rule. I don't know who made it. And my daughter has been in more hot tubs than she could ever count in her life, Right? And go to the, the place up the street. They didn't have no sign on their hot tub. You got four-year-olds in the hot tub over there. So, you know what I said? Nope, not getting in the hot tub. What? Like ever? No, you can when you turn 14. <laughs> Dad, that's not fair. Sweetheart, life isn't fair. That's a dadism that you get to say, right? Our life isn't fair. Well, Vanderlei's getting in the hot tub. Vanderlei's 17. So what? I'm just supposed to sit outside the hot tub while you guys get in it? I won't get in it this week if it makes you feel better. Dad, that's not right. That's messed up. Can we just, here's what she said. Can we act like we just didn't see the sign? (laughs) And you look at that and you're like, just let the kid get in the stupid hot tub. Nobody's going to die. But when I teach an 11-year-old that the rules don't always apply to us, if we've got a really good reason why we can break the rules, I've set in an 11-year-old's mind that authority has no place to say in our life, and we can do whatever we want as long as we determine that we're in the right. And what do we do? We just get in the hot tub all week. Man, she was not happy, but frankly, I don't care because there are consequences when you break the rules. And again, we say, well, I can take the consequences. Other people can't, though. That's the problem. Proverbs 6, verse number 27 says this, can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? This is where the term playing with fire comes from. Do you really think that you can take fire and hold it up against your chest and your clothes not get burned? Do you really think that you can walk across hot coals and your feet not be burned? No, sin is destructive. There's no two ways to get around it. But secondly, you need to understand that with your sin comes family consequences as well. Deuteronomy chapter five, verse number nine says, thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord God, I'm a jealous God, this, read this, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. God says your sin doesn't just stop with you, it's a generational thing. And the curse upon you goes down to the second, and or I'm sorry, the third and the fourth generation from you. That means my great great, great grandchildren will be affected by the decisions that I make today. But we don't like to do math like that. Well, don't I deserve to be happy? (laughs) Tell that to your kids. Well, don't I deserve to get what I want? Tell that to your spouse. This has, I'm talking about your family tree gets affected by sin. I have two, uh, both my grandfathers on my dad and my mom's side were alcoholics. Both of my parents were abused. 
Do you think that affected the way that my parents parented me? It did. Do you think that affects the way that I now parent my kids? It does. Generational. We as guys sat around this weekend and asked the question, how many of your parents prepared you to live a life of faith? Out of a room of about 30, 40 guys, there's about 10 or 12 guys that raise their hand. And now, we as guys are having to meet together on the weekends to talk about how we can be better men because our dads didn't prepare us for that. I'm talking about the family tree effects of your sin. It doesn't just stop with you, it affects everyone else. But here's the good news. You can rewrite your family tree. Hey, you know what? My parents were both raised by alcoholics, but they made a decision that they were gonna put me and my brother in church every single time the doors were open. They were gonna take us to church. My dad didn't know everything that he needed to know about being a man and being a father, but he did his best. And now our family tree has changed. My dad was not an alcoholic. My dad was not abusive. Therefore, I am not an alcoholic and I am not abusive. Somebody decided to break the cycle. But know this, your sin has trickled down consequences from it. And if you think that your sin stops with you, you are a fool. That's why it's such a big deal. That's why the Bible says, run from it. Next, there's emotional consequences that come with sin. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. It's fun for a minute. Nobody's going to deny that. But then afterwards comes guilt. Afterwards comes shame. Afterwards comes disappointment, frustration, disillusionment. And there are emotional effects of our sin. Next, there's spiritual consequences of our sin. When you sin against God, God again can't just allow you to continue to sin. Isaiah chapter 59, verse number one, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Hey, you know what, God? God's not limited by anything. God's strong. God could do anything that he wanted to. God's not deaf. He hears your prayers, but your iniquities or your sin have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear for your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies and your tongue hath muttered perverseness. And when we sin against God, God's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm turning you on mute. I got nothing to hear from you anymore. Can you imagine have you thought about that? That when you and I sin, God just like, hey, when you decide you want to get your act together, come back and let me know, and I'll be here the same place I always was. That's heavy. And if you're going through a rough spot, you're going through the thick of it, you're hurting, and you cry out to God, you better hope that everything's right between you and God. That's why for me, when I'm struggling, when I'm going through difficulty, when I'm facing intense periods of suffering, the very first thing I do is confess any and all known sin to God. And if there's anything that's not known in my life, show it to me because I want to make it right. I cannot afford to pray prayers that do not get heard and do not get answered. I can't afford it. So the very first thing I do when I'm going through periods of suffering is get 100% right with God because it has spiritual implications. Not only that, the Bible says that we can quench the Holy Spirit. The word quench means to put out. If you're a child of God, inside of you lives the Holy Spirit. It works in conjunction with your conscience to remind you what the Bible says, what the right path is. And when you veer off course, the Holy Spirit says, knock it off, get it back together. And you're like, okay, got it. But there comes a point in a Christian's life where they have tuned out the Holy Spirit or shut it off completely that now you put the Holy Spirit on mute. And you can just sin and sin and sin. You don't feel bad about it because you told the Holy Spirit to shut up, and he did. That is a dangerous place to be as a Christian. That I can continue to sin and it doesn't bother me? That I can have a foul and perverse mouth and that doesn't bother me? that I can make sexual jokes about people at the office and it doesn't bother me, that I can look at pornography and I don't feel bad about it, that I can be ugly to my kids or to my spouse or to a coworker and not feel bad about it, that I can gossip and run people down and backstab them and spread lies about them and it doesn't bother me. That's a dangerous place to be, Christian. 
there's spiritual consequences to living in that type of sin. It's heavy. Next, there's societal consequences. Society pays the price when we continue to sin. I am, uh, I love our city. Please don't get me wrong. I believe the city of Honolulu is one of the greatest places that God has ever created. There's nowhere in the world I would rather live, but our city has a serious amount of problems. When you look at the drug abuse, methamphetamines, sexual perversion, human trafficking, the lack of value of a human life, the fact that a block and a half from here, kids are being murdered weekly. Look at stuff like that and go, whoa, this is not okay. This is not okay. What happened? At some point, somebody decided sin was not a big deal anymore. We just let it roll. At some point, we decided it was somebody else's problem and somebody else would deal with it and we just let it go and our society has paid the price for it. And every time there's a school shooting, every time there's a domestic violence, every time somebody who gets stabbed, robbed, beaten, raped, every single bit of this is the result of sin, 100% of the time. But you see, nobody wants to talk about that. We can't say the human heart is depraved. We can't say we've made a mistake by pushing God out of our society. We've made a mistake by denigrating the Bible and putting it down and mocking the Bible. We can't say that. So we say things like, let's legislate it. I went to Furman's conference. I went and bought a bunch of prizes for our games and I bought a bunch of knives at Walmart. And so I go to Walmart and I pick out about six knives and I pick the coolest knives that I could find and I lay them on the counter. And the lady like looks at what's on the counter, like six knives. And she looks at me and she looks back at the knives. And she like scans the first one and comes up and says, is the customer 18 years old? And she was like, can I see an ID? <laughs> Do I look 17? Come on. And I said, sure. And so I, I, I give her my ID and she looks at the knives and she looks at my ID and she looks back at me and she hands me back my ID and she keeps scanning them. And she puts them in a bag and she goes, have fun, I guess. <laughs> and, and I'm walking out of the store thinking, I said, what do, you, what do you think I'm gonna? And then I realized, what kind of weirdo goes into Walmart and buys six of the biggest knives they can find, you know? Good grief. So what should we do? We should limit the number of knives one can buy, right? Let's do that. That doesn't make any sense. Let's legislate it. Because, you know, government always has an answer for stuff like this. No, the problem is here. The problem is here. The heart. This is where the issue resides. And society pays the price of my sinfulness. Hey, a drunk driver gets in a car and, and, and kills a family. It wasn't the family's fault. It was sin's fault. And society pays the price for that. Again, the fact that we know what alcohol abuse does to the human body, yet we allow it to persist. We were sitting somewhere in a restaurant the other day and we were playing college football uh, and some dude took a massive hit. Helmet flew off. And then he's standing on the sidelines with the coaches, and he's wobbling like this between two coaches. And I look, and this kid's like 19 years old. And I think to myself, how is this legal? Like, we know what, what continued concussions do to the human body, yet we continue to do this because we enjoy it. It's fun to watch. You look at these MMA fighters. Man, I, I love watching a good MMA fight. I'm not going to fault anybody for that. But you look at these guys that have been taking shots for two or three decades, what happens to their life after that? It's not good, but we enjoy it, right? Let's let it roll. Or maybe we should legislate it, right? Hey, the societal implications of sin, that we can't just say this is bad, I shouldn't do it. We need somebody to be a grown-up for us, I guess. No, at some point we gotta look in our own hearts and say, this is not right, I wanna do something to change it. I praise God. I don't know if it's the result of our church, but I'd like to think that it is. It used to, on Kona Street, there were three bars and a strip club and a gambling operation back there. Thankfully, everybody but the strip club's gone out. I'm praying one of these days we'll be able to shut down the strip club. 
I want to think that that's an impact that our church has had. I do know that, that Waimanu Street is a whole lot different than it was six years ago, that's for sure. Why? Because I believe there's spiritual implications when we do the right thing. That this goes both ways. Like God said in his word, we can choose life or death. It's totally up to us. Most importantly, there's eternal consequences. Friend, if you're here today and you do not know for sure that you're saved, the biggest consequences will not come in this life. Romans chapter eight says, for if you liveth after the flesh, you shall die. If you through the spirit, you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. This is in your notes. Don't miss it. Revelation chapter 20. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. This is what happens after you die. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is the most important verse probably in the entire Bible. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is what you need to know. If you are not saved, that is you. And God chooses because you have rejected Jesus as your savior to allow you to go your own way and do your own thing. And the end is destruction, guaranteed. But it doesn't have to be. Jesus died to set you free from the eternal consequences of your sin. Jesus is the only answer for the the societal consequences of our sin. Jesus is the only answer for the spiritual condition and consequences of our sin. Jesus is the only hope that we have for our emotional consequences for our sin. Jesus is the only hope for the familial consequences of our sin. And Jesus is the only hope in the entire world for the personal consequences of my sin. He's the only hope that you have. Final thoughts this morning, we're done. Every bit of suffering, whether it's your fault, somebody else's fault, or nobody's fault, all suffering is meant to drive us in humility and complete dependence to God. Everything that you go through is meant to bring you to the end of yourself to show you that you can't handle this, but God can. Every bit of it. I I greatly enjoy talking to people when they say, Pastor, I've tried everything that I can to fix this. I need help. Good. Because you realize now you can't fix it. You're not strong enough to make it. You need help outside of yourself and God is there to be that help for you. But I want you to know this. Suffering due to sin is completely avoidable. You don't have to suffer because of your own foolishness. You don't have to suffer because of your own sin. It's completely avoidable. Just don't do it. Now, again, this will not take away all suffering, but at least you won't suffer because you were foolish. While forgiveness is available to all who repent, we must live with the consequences of our sin. You might say, oh, I've asked God to forgive me. That's good. It doesn't take away the consequences of your sin. I sat with way too many families who have experienced infidelity in their marriage. I said, Pastor, I'm sorry. I've confessed to my spouse. I've confessed it to God. I feel terrible for what I've done. I just want to make it right. Good. And by God's grace, you are forgiven for what you've done. But the consequences of the action that you've done are going to follow you for the next two or three decades. The trust that's been broken through one act of sin, that's going to take decades to rebuild. God doesn't take away the consequences of sin just because we're sorry. I can't tell you how many times I've seen apologies that people made in courtrooms of the destruction of the poor decisions they made. Drunk drivers crying, wishing that they could take the place of the person. That's fine. It's good that you're, you feel badly about what you've done, but you can't take away the consequences of your sin. It's, it's there. But here's the good news of the gospel, and I don't want to leave you on a downer. I want you to be encouraged by this. That God can even take the consequences of our sin and turn them for something really, really good. That's the story of the gospel. You see, my life, not perfect, but God has chosen to take all of my failures and bring something good from them. Some friends of Angela and ours, uh, the, uh, the wife was in college and she was um, involved with a relationship with a guy uh, sexually that wasn't a good relationship and she got pregnant out of wedlock as a, really a teenage mom in college 
she didn't know what to do. The guy didn't want to have anything to do with it, so she ended up being a single mom. And you look at that and you say, well, that's the consequences of your sin. And I think all of us would agree, consequences of sin, no doubt about it. What did you expect was going to happen? You didn't think that through. You sin against God, these are the consequences of your sin. And she willingly accepted the consequences of her sin, made a decision that she was going to be the best single mom that she could, and she, uh, she and her son began to go to church. And in the singles group at, at church, she met a guy. He was an Air Force guy going through grad school. He was a, a pilot in the Air Force. They began to date and uh, eventually ended up being married. And he adopted her son and made him his own son. And now he fast forward probably 20 years later, their son uh, is in his uh, sophomore year at the uh, United States Naval Academy. He's their son. They've got three other children. And God took that situation that was terrible and turned it into a really, really good thing. His son's saved. He's a man of God. He's living for the Lord. He's engaged to be married. And God took that story of brokenness from the consequences of sin and turned it into something beautiful. And God has the opportunity to do that because that's who he is. God takes our brokenness and from that brings something really good. That's the story of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That God could take the mess of my sin and completely pay for it and cover it. And the Bible says, cast it as far as as the east is from the west and God remembers it no more. And I stand before you today, not perfect, but forgiven by the grace of Jesus because of the good news of the gospel. That's what God does. And God can do it for you. You might be sitting here today saying, Pastor, I have a lot of regret. I have a lot of shame. I have a lot of guilt over the wrong that I've done. Confess it to Jesus. Give it to him and be done with it. You might be sitting here today saying, well, Pastor, my sin, I enjoy my sin. I just, I, I just want to do it for a little while. I, just in this season of my life where it's okay for me to just enjoy this just a little bit, just know this, it will not end well. Give it to Jesus today and be done with it once and for all. Most important thing in the entire universe. If you're here today and you do not know for sure that you are saved, that when you die, that heaven is your home, do not leave here until you know for sure that your sins are forgiven because that's the gift of eternal life that God's given. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.